Hello and welcome to the Moving Curve. I'm Rukmini, a data journalist based in Chennai. Two nights a week on this mini cast, I consider one question around the novel coronavirus epidemic in India. Tonight I'm considering this one. What can research from India now tell us about the nature of the pandemic? It's day 256 of the novel coronavirus epidemic in India. and we are reporting 7,085,428 cases with 108,637 deaths from the beginning of this podcast all of the research that i have reported on has been non indian there has been indian research that has come my way but most of it has not been of a quality that i could report on and this includes most of the papers published by the indian council for medical research the icmr's own in-house journal I was very pleased at the beginning of this month to get to report on a study that built upon a contact tracing dataset provided by the governments of Tamil Nadu and Andhra Pradesh. A team of researchers led by Professor Ramanan Lakshmi Narayan was given access to the complete epidemiological information and laboratory results for over 575,000 tested contacts of 85,000 confirmed cases. They published their findings in Science magazine. and i wrote about it for mint i've linked to both the original paper and my news report on it professor lakshmi narayan is a lecturer at princeton and director of the center for disease dynamics economics and policy in washington dc professor lakshmi narayan's research is at the intersection of economics and epidemiology and we spoke about his paper for the podcast the most significant contribution that the paper makes is the finding that super spreading is a feature of the pandemic in india over 70% of index cases that's original or primary cases found through testing infected no further people on the other hand fewer than 10% of index cases were responsible for nearly 60% of further infections most of the people who had contacts tested didn't actually have any uh, positive contacts What this means is that a minority of index cases work like super spreaders. I asked Professor Lakshmi Narayan about so-called super spreader events. Super spreading is not an event. Super spreading is just the idea. I I think it's a it's misunderstood in common parlance. Hmm. Super spreading, uh, it just refers to the fact that some proportion of people hmm. transmit much more than other people, hmm. and that you can see already from it that. uh you know 8% are resulting in 60% of your infected contacts that is what we are calling super spreading right okay. it doesn't require an event it's just that some people because of their host factors they are more likely to spread than other people are okay yeah. now it is possible that that person also when put in a coimbedo market or somewhere else will infect a huge number of other people so what makes people super spreaders Professor Lakshmi Narayan has a forthcoming paper on the issue but when i spoke to Dr Gagandeep Kang one of india's leading virologists about it she suggested that it could be that the person is earlier in their illness and so is shedding more of the virus or it could be that it is a person who indulges in greater social mixing or someone who has greater opportunity to meet a large number of people who he or she then infects One piece of sort of received wisdom now about the pandemic has been that children do not play a major role in transmission. But at least in Tamil Nadu and Andhra Pradesh that does not appear to be true. 
The study finds that contacts of the same age are most likely to transmit to each other, but there is also intergenerational transmission. So what we found was that children are well not under the age of eighteen, under the age of you know ten itself, that they are both efficient at transmitting to each other, mm-hmm. but they also transmit to the elderly. So the similar age transmission was strongest in two categories: kids zero to fourteen, mm-hmm. and adults above the age of sixty-five. it probably has something to do with uh, you know societal structure or age structure that we we often think that uh, there's a lot of interage transmission going on there is some but the within age transmission is much much stronger so it reflects physical and social interaction that's number one number two previous studies particularly coming out of the west because that's where the only other studies have come from have all said oh but kids are not major they they neither susceptible to the disease nor do they transmit a lot mm-hmm. this paper completely you know um, debunks that because it's very clear that kids are playing a very very important role in in the transmission half of the contacts of kids who were 0 to 4 who were tested 0 to 14 who were tested half of their contacts are also positive similarly you find that in the 65 plus age okay so that's that's pretty important but then you also see that for that index age group 0 to 14 you go across right so you go across and you see that they are doing a good job transmitting to the 30 year olds and the 40 year olds as well one of the other important contributions that the paper makes is to show that while mortality was higher as expected among older age groups in the two states it plateaued at around 75 years meaning that there was no further elevated risk of mortality for those above 75 this is very different from the us where people over 85 who test positive have a 1 in 3 chance of dying professor lakshmi narayan said he spoke to dr kang about it dr kang and i were just speaking about the uh, above 18 age group uh, mortality why ours is actually not that different from other countries Hmm. whereas for the younger age groups it is obviously much higher right. and it is it's a function of you know could be a function of two things one is that for some reason uh, you know the elderly particularly if they are seriously ill are hmm. not getting tested uh, there's some differential bias there that could be the other which uh, is what she thinks and i also agree is that it's, it's just a survivor effect people in india who survived to the age of 75 they really don't have comorbidities that much because if they had those they would have died much more so what does the state government do with these insights from their data i spoke to dr b chandra mohan an ias officer in tamil nadu and a member of the state's epidemic monitoring committee that is tasked with providing the state inputs from academic research he is also a co-author on the paper given that the numbers show that uh, a majority of cases over 70% of index cases don't further spread the virus to anyone while a minority of cases might index cases might spread it to a large number of people is there any impact of that on policy or that's really something that can't be this is something this is something that we have realized very quickly on mm-hmm. and basically this is from our data you are able to isolate an infected person right. within 24 hours right actually 48 hours then the rate of spread of the infection will come down by 70% right so we have started to follow this as a principle in our containment effort right. that any person 
whoever comes with an infection or whoever comes with history of exposure yeah. will spend 24 hours right. so as to ensure that he doesn't spread so that's a very important intervention that has come to us right and another thing that i would like to say is every time we find something through our data hmm. and that needs to translate into an intervention hmm. it goes in either as a direction to the system Hmm. or if it is basically a behavior change issue we start a behavior change campaign around that particular thing okay right so so uh, constantly analysis inference intervention and feedback this is a cycle that keeps getting repeated itself for all aspects of covid between the two i felt that i got an insight not only into how the pandemic is progressing in india but also into how insights from data can inform policy thank you for listening this episode was edited by anand krishnamurthy on the next episode a new question <laughs>